Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire. And we're getting a little bit clearer of a picture of what 2014 will look like because we now know what order the Green Bay Packers opponents will be in as well as the rest of the NFL slate. And uh, for a football nerd like me and Matt, uh, this is one of the most exciting times of an otherwise unexciting offseason. So we're going to go over the Packers' schedule a little bit here, maybe talk about some of the other notable things uh, that are featured in this year's NFL schedule. And also, a show we've been teasing for months now is our personal top ten quarterbacks of all time. Uh, last offseason we did uh, top current quarterbacks, and last year proved that my list was right and Matt's was flawed. Uh, but... <laughs> Hopefully, uh, this one will be a little bit more debate because a lot of these guys are done playing, and uh, this should be a, a fun episode for hopefully us and then as well as, as you. So, Matt, let's start with the Packers' schedule. Do you have any real quick uh, observations uh, that you'd like to get across before we break it down a little bit more closely? Um, To me, I, I kind of am excited for that Thursday game. I know a lot of people are already chalking up a loss, but... I, I mean, it's it's kind of an expected loss, so I think this could be a, a huge game for them. I mean, if you can somehow come in there, get a win week one against a team you're not expected to beat in a, a, a style of play that you've had no success against, I mean, mm-hmm. if you can do that and kind of launch off your season with a win there, I mean, if you lose, you lose, really, but if you can get a win, it could be really huge. Yeah, that's a good point, and I, I am one of those expecting a loss, but, you know, if Aaron Rodgers goes nuts, I mean, you could easily win that game. Um We'll see how the new Packers defense fares, but you know, in in 2012, I know Russell Wilson wasn't quite there yet, but they shut their offense down pretty easily. And in the preseason last year, um, I know it's a little bit of a, a different scenario, but I thought the Packers played very well against yeah. Seattle in the preseason, even once their backups were in and uh, Seattle still had their starters. So I think this is a better matchup than the Packers matchup against San Francisco. Yeah, agreed. And so it's going to be very difficult. Uh, somebody said it's going to be rough having a new center play his first regular season game at uh, CenturyLink Field, <laughs> which, you know, there's some truth to that. But yeah. um, I think, like you said, that this is a kind of a no-lose situation. Nobody's expecting the Packers to win. It's Seattle's biggest game of this, the regular season, likely, uh, at least before that San Francisco game. And uh, if they're able to steal that one, I mean, looking at the schedule, they really don't have a serious, um, you know, game like that where they're a definite underdog until the New Orleans game on October 26th. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's go a little bit more in-depth into this, and... If you want some kind of quirky stats and just some other things to keep in mind about the schedule, I actually wrote an article that I uh, put up on the website a couple of days ago uh, that has some interesting things to consider about each one of these games. So if you uh, uh, care about those kind of things, uh, definitely take a look at that. It's it's a fun, quick little read. Uh, maybe not so quick. It's, it has four or five for every game, but something to take a look at on a, on a weekend or a boring weeknight. The Home opener for the Packers is against the New York Jets, and it's their only home game in the month of September, which uh, is from as far as I could tell, at least going back to 1940, I believe is the first time that that has happened. And uh, the one thing I was thinking is I wonder if there's an outside chance that that's the Brett Favre uh, jersey retirement game. Oh, sure. Uh, but I would expect it more likely would be either the Minnesota Thursday game or that Bears Sunday game. But... Um, and then going on there, we have the three straight division games, which it seems like the Packers have been getting their division games later in the season over the last couple of years. 
My theory is that the NFL has done that with the Packers. They've done that with the Patriots, teams that tend to dominate their division. They try to artificially create a longer race uh, because if they pile them all up with the Bills and the Dolphins and the Jets for the Patriots or for our division foes, that those divisions might be uh, basically over by Thanksgiving. So I think uh, it's interesting that we get that trio early in the season for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, you're done with the Bears by week 10, which it seems like that never happens. You, it seems like we're playing them one of the last couple of weeks of the year always. So mm-hmm. you finish with Detroit, but you're done with Minnesota and Chicago by by week 12. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Chicago's probably the ones, at least it seems like right now, the ones that we're going to be competing with, and we don't play them again after after November 9th. Yeah, and at least for the Bears, we won't clinch the division in their stadium uh, this season, which they've done each of the last two years. Also clinch the NFC Championship in their stadium, so I'm glad, I I bet you they're glad to finally get the Packers in a a game that won't hurt quite so much if they end up losing. And then uh, they play the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Then that's kind of one that's interesting in Miami, and then they host Carolina, two of the more surprise teams of uh, 2013. Uh, Any expectations out of those teams going forward in 2014? Um, I, I think Miami should be a, a pretty decent uh, game for the Pack. I mean, you would think that's a win there, mm-hmm. the, but the, the Carolina matchup's obviously a little scary. We haven't, we didn't play them the last. When's the last time we played Carolina? Was it two years ago? Uh, they played them in the week two of 2011. Yep. So I mean, we haven't played this Carolina Panthers team with the new defense that they have, really. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see that kind of matchup too, because that because that could be very similar to San Francisco and and Seattle as well. So that should be a good game. Yeah, it'd be uh, interesting. Certainly, it's going to be a big test for the uh, for the Panthers because I don't know. I, the, one of the facts that I posted for them, and obviously it doesn't have much to do with this year's team, but Carolina has never had back-to-back winning seasons. Even when they went to the NFC Championship game twice in three years, uh, they have never had back-to-back winning seasons. So we'll see if this team can do it. I guess I don't know why uh, they wouldn't be able to. I also think, however, it's going to be a little bit more difficult this year because I would be surprised if Atlanta was really yeah. bad again this year. I expect them to bounce back. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then Atlanta will come on the Packers schedule later. Um, the Saints on Sunday Night Football was one of the games I correctly predicted on the Facebook page, although it didn't take much uh, intelligence to predict that one. This one is going to be very difficult. I don't know if you remember back on that Monday night game in 2008 when Aaron had a disastrous performance and Drew Brees ran us out of the building. Um, but this is going to be tough. It's the fifth time that they've played with Rodgers, or uh, excuse me, with McCarthy as the coach, the third time with Rodgers. All of them have been shootouts, and you got to think it's going to be that way again. Uh, this one's going to be tough to win, I think. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And there, there's no way it's not a shootout, I don't think, any time these two teams play each other. Yeah, Definitely. Okay, so then we have the bye week at the midpoint of the season for the first time since 2004 uh, that we actually the only time in the history of the bye week that the Packers have had their uh, week off right in the middle of their schedule. And after getting that week four bye last year, this is definitely a welcome uh, change. Uh, how many guys do you think will be on IR by the bye this year? <laughs> you you got to think there's one year in here where we'll catch a break. It, I don't know. Probably all of them. But... <laughs> There's, I mean, there's got to be one year, right? I mean, it's it's a big noted fact. Everybody knows it now. It's not like just me and you are griping how they're always hurt. I mean, everybody in the media is talking about it. McCarthy's getting questioned on it. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to try to make some changes because it's just been absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I just, I guess I think back to week, 
what was it? What they had like a t- week ten buy or something like that in 2012, and I just remember it felt like everybody was on IR by that point. Mm-hmm. But hopefully it's a little bit different. And then we get the uncreative NFL schedule makers at work again for seemingly the fourth or fifth straight year. We get Bears at home in a primetime game, and then Eagles at home in a noon game for the second straight year in uh, early November. And uh, I, I guess nobody probably notices that, but I always find it funny. And then Atlanta we get on the exact same day that we got them last year. So I don't know why this tends to happen, but... Uh, um, Just a little copy of pays probably from the schedule makers. <laughs> I would think so. Those stadiums that aren't used for anything else, they probably just, you know, leave them in from last year and say, ah, oh, this will do. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then four of five at home in the month of November and then early December, the only road game being at Minnesota. There's some tough teams, and Bears, Eagles, Patriots, and even the Falcons, I would anticipate all being in the thick of the playoff race, but you get them all at home. How do you feel about that stretch? It's going to be tough. I mean, like you said, Atlanta's most likely going to bounce back. And uh, even a game like Buffalo and Tampa, I mean, you expect to win, but they're they're definitely not uh, just, you know, gimmies or anything. So it's a tough stretch at the end of the year. They're New England and Atlanta right there in the middle, and then finishing with Detroit. It's going to be a tough finish. Yeah, and I think they'll be okay. I would really like them to win that New England game just because it's always fun to beat, you know, a marquee team that you don't play very often. Yep. The Bills-Buccaneers was an eye-opener for me. Uh, Going back to what I said about the Packers tending to have a lot of their big division games at the end of the year recently, it just seems weird, especially if it's a tight race to have, you know, the Bears off doing things. I haven't looked at their schedules all that closely, but um, now I kind of want to get theirs up. But it's going to be weird if the division race is close with either Detroit or the Bears and we're sitting there fighting it out with the Bills and Buccaneers of the world <laughs> to try to win it. Uh, the Bears actually close with uh, hosting the Cowboys, then the Saints, then the Lions, then at the Vikings is their last. Uh, the Bears, too, have five of their home games after the bye week in uh, Week 9 as well. So uh, it'll be weird to see them duking it out with the elites of the NFC while we're you know messing around in Buffalo. Yeah, it's it's like seems like the most random assortment of four teams there before the <laughs> Detroit game that the Packers would play, you know, Tampa and Buffalo and New England in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it seems kind of it does seem strange because we're so used to playing just divisional teams. It seems at the end of the year, so to play teams like Buffalo is kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, and then we got to play Tampa Bay. I may listen to this one on the radio, so I don't have to look at Tampa Bay's disgusting uh, uniform. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about those. Uh, so, or or maybe I'll just put in like an old game, like when we were playing the Orange Bucks in like '96 or something, and then listen to the game on the radio and imagine that they sync up or something. Um, that that probably won't work, having just said that. But, <laughs> and then finally we end the year hosting the Detroit Lions, and this streak has been going on for our entire conscious football lives. Uh, you and I, uh, we were toddlers basically, but when this streak. Uh, began or uh, five-year-olds, and then the last time the Lions won in Wisconsin was 1991. So I don't know about you, but part of me thinks that this streak can't go on forever as much as I enjoy it, and it's fun to hold over the few Lions fans we encounter over here in Wisconsin. But I kind of am hoping that if it ends this year, maybe we can have things sewn up and uh, we can just have Matt Flynn lose to the Lions, and then so even if the streak is broken, it really doesn't mean anything. Sure. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I mean, we're hoping we've got the division locked up and we're probably going to be sitting behind, you know, San Francisco or New Orleans for the one and two. So maybe we do get a chance to 
to just lay it down and just give it to him and just say whatever, <laughs> and then start a new streak for another 20 years. It'll be like the Michael Strahan sack version of a game? Yep. Okay. Well, they couldn't beat Craig Nall uh, that year he got to play most of the game, <laughs> and they couldn't beat Matt Flynn, <laughs> so yep. maybe there's no hope for them. Okay, um... Overall, I, I know we knew the opponents for a long time, but this schedule looks a lot uh, more manageable than it looked before they were laid out, to me at least. Sure. I, to me, I don't know, it, looking at the teams before the season starts never really means a whole lot to me because it never ends up being what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Buffalo and Tampa games will probably end up being our marquee games of the season or something <laughs> at that point. There's just no way of knowing. I mean, you have no idea what Atlanta's going to be, what Minnesota's going to be, you know, what Chicago's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to really predict. So down the stretch there, seeing Buffalo and Tampa looks nice right now, but, I mean, you have no way of knowing. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you go into New York week two and you think it's going to be a win and you just get stomped by a team with a good defense. It's mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to call just by looking at the teams. Oh, and, and I agree with that 100%, but it seems like over the last five or six years that the elite of the NFL has really solidified itself and the bad teams have really solidified themselves as sure. bad teams. Um, it's not quite the wild, wild west of the early 2000s where teams would alternate 4-12 and 12 and 12-4 and four seasons. Um, for the most part, teams like New England, the Bears, the Eagles, the Saints, um, they've been there every year. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs, but they've been at least eight wins. A good team. Yeah, yeah a, a decent team. So um, I expect that, at least for the time being, to sort of maintain itself. But uh, I, you're right that you never know with teams like Buffalo or the Buccaneers. You know, I, I'm hoping those are easy games, but, you know, road games are always tough, so we'll see. <laughs> Some other things that uh, happened as far as the NFL schedule the Saturday games are back, which is one of the things I had said uh, a while ago that I wanted to see return. And so that, I thought, was kind of cool. Only the one Saturday, I believe, at the end of the season, uh, there are some uh, Saturday games, both on CBS and NFL Network, I think, um, or at the same time. Okay, interesting. Uh, Chargers at 49ers and then Eagles at Redskins. Uh, that's following a impressive one of those great, great games that NFL Network thinks needs to be on Thursday, Titans-Jags, a few days before that. Um, just Yeah, just skip Thursday altogether and just watch the Saturday games. Yeah, uh, we might have to do that. I'm trying to see if I can uh, get the list of the Thursday night football games because the big change in the NFL this year is, well, there's flex scheduling beginning after week five, then the Thursday night football, the first half of the season, will be uh, simulcast on CBS, and they have... Reduce the restrictions on the conference uh, affiliation with the two Fox CBS networks. So I think I I don't know the specifics, but I think they can trade games now if they want to, and it's one of the reasons why Lions Bears, which should be on Fox, is the CBS Thanksgiving game. Hmm. Um, yeah. So Sunday night football early in the season, we got Steelers Ravens to kick it off, then uh, ooh, Buccaneers Falcons. Giants, Redskins, Vikings, Packers, Colts, Texans, Jets, Patriots, Chargers, Broncos. So not quite the marquee list that they promised when they were going to put it on CBS. Yeah, maybe better than last year. Is are they still doing it where every team gets a gets a chance on Thursday? Yeah, I think every team has to play on Thursday. I, I don't see any double. Thursday. I mean, you're almost destined for some really bad games with that because you just have to squeeze teams in there. So it's going to be a bad team no matter what if you've got the Browns in there. Yeah, Browns play at the Bengals in uh, 
uh, November 6th, so that should be... I think yeah. that was a Thursday night game last year, too, Browns-Bengals. Uh, I think it was Browns-Bills, actually. Ah. That was the uh, proving the Bills and Browns were cursed game when both E.J. Manuel and Hoyer right. got injured. Yeah. yeah, I guess, do you have any general thoughts on any of the kind of shake-ups with the schedule? Do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing, a weird thing? I mean, it's different. I, I guess we'll see it when it's in play, but I mean, it's just different than we're used to. But I'm sure it'll be fine. I yeah. like, I do like getting a couple of Saturday games back, though. Those are always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to think if that would be the week between bowls and uh, the Army Navy game, because that's always the worst. That week when there's no college football, you maybe watch the Division Two championship or something. But um, I, I, I think that's. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks it's it's nice to have, but it, we're getting back into that oversaturation problem again. That's true. Yep. It just feels like there's no rules with the schedule, and and not that it's a bad thing, but it just it feels like that we're a few seasons away from flex scheduling where they can just change your opponents. Like, oh, the Packers are having a great season, and they're playing Tampa, <laughs> and Tampa stinks, so this week they're going to play the Saints instead. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, the other thing that uh, I we've talked about this quite a bit, but it came out again that Roger Goodell has said it's just a matter of time uh, before the NFL goes to 14 playoff teams. Um, and I don't know if we want to rehash that again, but that combined with the three games that are going to be taking place in London this year, um, they are just <laughs> I don't I don't even know what to say, but they are just so hell bent on getting every dime they can out of their fans that do you I know we talked about this only a couple of shows ago but having seen the real changes that are coming this season that pretty much blindsided me uh, maybe not those who are actually in the you know super focused or in the television world but a lot of these changes with the new flex scheduling the three London games they, they completely blindsided me um do you think we're getting to the point where they're just going to throw caution and tradition to the wind and inadvertently oversaturate their product, like Mark Cuban said? Oh, absolutely. It sure seems like it. I mean, it's like you said, it, their only focus seems to be to just to get every cent. I mean, they're a company that's already making billions of dollars, mm-hmm. but it's just, they're just, they want to grow, and they just want to keep growing, and that's their only goal, and it doesn't seem like they care too much about, you know, what they change or, or whatever. And, you know, 30 years from now, we might look back on this and say, man, Goodell <laughs> really changed things a lot during his reign, and maybe, you know, maybe for the good, but from where we're sitting right now, I don't don't really care for it, but mm-hmm. just they're, they're so determined to make change to something that's so great, and it, I'm just so hesitant about all these th- mm-hmm. things because I don't want to change something that's where it is right now is very, very good, mm-hmm. and the only thing it seems like you could do to it is hurt it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you can tweak things here and there, but it's like, at, at what risk? I mean, what are you going to get at a half a percent more popular, or I guess... They were like talking about the, the the reason for revamping the Thanksgiving schedule. It's three NFC games. It'll be the first time ever an AFC team doesn't play on Thanksgiving um, since you know the the NFC AFC merger. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't understand it. I know they're like, oh, they the only other options we would have had for the Lions are the Dolphins or the Bills. And yeah, those maybe aren't as great, but it's it's not like anybody has never seen Chicago versus the Lions. Right. You know, we see it every year. It's not that hard to to uh, to find that game. And 
the Thanksgiving games do huge ratings all the time. I mean, yeah, no matter what. No matter what. I mean, Joey Harrington's Dolphins against Kitna's Lions was like one of the top ten rated uh, games of the year because it's on Thanksgiving. People just turn it on. Um, I kind of looked forward to some of those crappy Thanksgiving matchups because you just can kind of zone out and watch a football game without any worry about who's playing. Um, I don't know. It just feels like they're needlessly tweaking with stuff, and it, uh, I, I don't know. It, it feels like they're I, – I can't think of a good analogy for it, but it's like if you keep messing with stuff that isn't broken, at some point, aren't you going to bust something? Mm-hmm. Especially if they decide to keep this stupid extra point rule. Yeah. All right, so we'll see how that goes. All right, so we, we should just get to our top ten list, because I'm just trying to buy time to add more uh, content and filler <laughs> to this show, and I really don't want to talk about anything else, so let's get to that. Let's do it. time for our top 10 quarterbacks of all time. And before we get in to our list, I think we'll go in descending order, obviously, to build the drama towards number one. But um, Matt, why don't you start, give a little bit of a sense for what criteria you use when selecting your 10 quarterbacks. Sure. And it's it's tough for us, you know, both being in our mid-20s to really judge a lot of the older guys. So that was one of my biggest challenges is just trying to judge these guys from the 70s and earlier that we really haven't seen a whole lot of. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, mostly stat-driven, taking a look at, at yards, touchdowns, interceptions, championships, MVPs, all that stuff, um, and going back and kind of comparing them. I mean, you can't really compare yardage in the 50s to, you know, a guy like Drew Brees today. So, mm-hmm. um you know, just kind of looking at the time periods they played, comparing them to the people, you know, their peers that they played with, and, and you know, just their overall body of work is kind of what I did. Yeah, and, and mine was very similar. Um, I actually, I always reference my spreadsheets and things on this show, and so I kind of had a little bit of a more um, standardized version for how I narrowed down my list, and then after that, I'm a stat guy. I'm a. I love stats. I think stats can explain everything, but they can't explain everything. Eventually, your eyes have to take over, and mm-hmm. and some of those kind of intangibles have to take over. So those determine my final ten after I kind of narrowed it down. Uh, same way with you is what I did is I looked at things like yards, touchdowns, uh, completions, uh, games played, things like that. But also a lot of the efficiency stats, like uh, touchdown percentage, number of uh, attempts that resulted in touchdowns, things like that. Tried to add in some Pro Bowls and and all that stuff. And really what I did is I ranked guys. uh, It it took a while. I just got a new computer, so I needed a reason to use it all day last Saturday. (laughs) And what I did is I compared a lot of these finalists that I had to the average quarterback that theoretically would have played every year they did. So, So, for instance, if somebody played from 1990 to 2000, you would take their stat line against the NFL average from 90 through 2000. So then it gives you a fairer comparison between, um, you know, a guy from the 70s and from today because they're only judged against their peers and how much better they were than their peers, if that makes sense. 
So in essence, everybody should pay a whole lot more attention to your list than mine. <laughs> no, no, not that. Because I had I, uh, I I actually didn't stay uh, to my final data here. I actually had to switch it around a little bit because uh, it sort of made sense to get it down to the you know top 15. But after that, you kind of have to judge what means more to you. If does a Super Bowl mean more sure. than a Pro Bowl and things like that? Well, and the thing is, is I mean, there's not going to be a bad quarterback on our top 10 list. I mean, you really can't go wrong unless you. You know, unless you threw in like Vinny Testaverde or something in there, just for yard's sake or something. <laughs> I didn't. I saw Vinny when I, one of the things I was looking at. Vinny is number eight all time in fourth quarter comebacks, which wow. is very strange. All of his wins must have been fourth quarter comebacks, I guess, to, <laughs> to get to that point. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we probably have a. I ended up with sixteen names, and I bet our top fifteen are probably almost identical. But yeah, um, I would, I would guess that. There's some notables that are further out of that, but it's all based on kind of the stat stuff, and I even surprised myself. So maybe uh, after we're done, if there's some notables that are not on our list, uh, we can give some quick justification as to why. Absolutely. All right, well, do you want me to delve into my number 10 here? Yeah, let's do it. All righty, so I'm starting off number 10 with an old school guy here. I'm going to Otto Graham at number 10. Okay. Um, I know I did a lot of research on a lot of other lists. I know he was a lot higher, but this is the type of thing where I don't have an eye test for Otto Graham. I, I hadn't seen him play, but he has the highest winning percentage of all time. Um, I mean, in the era he played in, he threw for comparable yardage to a lot of other guys like, you know, like Bart Starr and, and Terry Bradshaw. So he was still throwing for that, those kinds of yardage, even though it was a, a couple of decades before those guys. Um, 174 touchdowns to 135 interceptions and, and won a bunch of championships. Not to uh, spoil anything here, but I was really struggling at, at 10 here between he and Terry Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. I was I was really struggling to leave a guy off who had won four Super Bowls. Um, but Otto Graham really, you know, playing 20 years earlier, a lot of very comparable stats, a better touchdown to interception, ra- interception ratio, and had won more championships, although not Super Bowls, mm-hmm. but you know, championships nonetheless, and really one of the best quarterbacks of his generation. So I have Otto Graham at 10. And uh, that's that's a really good one. Um, I guess not to – uh, well, I'll spoil it right here anyways, but if somebody is not on our list, should we chime in as to why, perhaps? Yeah, if, if, if so say if I have Otto Graham and you don't have Otto mm. Graham, tell me why you left him off. Okay, and I don't have Otto Graham, and he was – it was so hard for me to leave him off this list. He'd be 11 or 12 uh, if I had that many slots. The only reason I left Autogram off is because of when judging his stats for me, I had to break it down, and some football historians who are 80 years old might disagree with me, but a lot of the stuff he gets credit for for his yardage, half of his career was in the AAFC. That's true, yep. And I could not judge that when there was only two teams outside of Cleveland that survived the dissolving of the AAFC, one being San Francisco and I believe the Colts, but the Colts that exist today are not the same Colts that came over. And so I I took his last 10 years, and he was a – I mean, he still was really, really good, um, you know, just for my stupid percentage breakdowns. I mean, he was about 20% better than the quarterbacks from 50 to 55 than he played in the NFL um, than, you know, the average quarterback. But I still, it was a small sample size. He played much lower in the playoffs than his regular season stature, which is another stat I used. I took the differential between your quarterback rating and your playoff appearances versus your regular season, and he was not very good at all in that aspect. So maybe being a little bit unfair, it might be because I'm naive and I'm not 70 years old, but uh, Otto Graham just missed my list. Okay. My number 10 
uh, was one that I honestly thought would be a little bit higher, but he just barely made my list for maybe some of those intangible factors, and that is Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. Um, I had him on my list. I was talking with Caleb, uh, you know, our great fan and a, a member of our family. We were just kind of bouncing things back and forth, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know where to put Kurt Warner. And he says, well, he takes crap teams and makes some Super Bowl teams. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's going to be the thing he's best remembered for. If you take a team like the Cardinals, who had won, I think, one or two playoff games in 70, 80 years, and he won three of them and almost beat Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl, that's going to be on him. The The Rams... Won a Super Bowl with the Rams, almost turned the Rams into a dynasty. And his stats, while his peaks are what carry him, because the mid-2000s he didn't do a whole lot, um, his stats were still good enough to get in. Uh, if we're going by the percentages again, um, on average, uh, Kurt Warner was 18% better than uh, any of the quarterbacks that played the same years that he was. I'm sorry, 12% better. So um, that was about as good as we've ever seen. So I would say Kurt Warner... Um, Mainly because of that 1999 and 2000 period and that uh, 2008 and 2009 period. Those five seasons are among the 25, 30, 40 best seasons a quarterback will ever have, and he had multiple of those. Yeah, yeah, and he's he made he missed my list, um, and I think a large a large part of that was the mid 2000s that you kind of referenced. Is that just kind of stuck in my mind? Um, you know, when he wasn't that good, where and that does happen to quarterbacks. I mean, it happened to Brett Favre for a stretch where he was, you know, just good. But he average. wasn't quite as down as Warner. You're right. Yep. Um, and I mean, Warner was benched too. I, I know he was injured at times, but first for a guy to take a the St. Louis Rams and the Arizona Cardinals to Super Bowls, I mean, he should maybe be one or two on this list for for doing that to teams that had been nowhere forever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a really good pick. I didn't. I don't have him on mine. Um, and mm-hmm. I guess just. He's a guy that we've got to see his whole career and really mm-hmm. focus on. To me, at times, just didn't feel like a top-ten quarterback of all time, but his mm-hmm. his highs were as good as anybody's. And I think one of the things that might have allured me uh, a little bit to him was that he played so much differently um, than the other quarterbacks in the same eras, where he was... Every, when I think of Kurt Warner, I think of 40-yard bombs constantly. Mm-hmm. It, he wasn't the kind of Drew Brees checkdown guy. He was launching it every single play, and maybe I overappreciated that too much. But I, I'll stand by my pick. Yep, yep, absolutely. Alrighty, my number nine here, uh, I'm going to go with Dan Marino. And this is a guy that I thought was going to be higher on my list mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I mean, a total stat guy here, 61,000 yards, 420 touchdowns, and 252 interceptions is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, growing up and everything, he was he was the guy. I mean, he was considered the best quarterback in the NFL. It seemed like when we were kids, and um, never got to win a Super Bowl. Is the big one here that's not putting him any higher for me. But I mean, you have to include him in my opinion. You have to include him. Maybe you didn't, but I mean, just based on his yardage, you compare him to the guys of his era. You know, like Elway and Kelly and mm-hmm. and those guys, and his numbers blow them away. I mean, he's got ten thousand more yards than Elway. He's got a hundred and twenty more touchdowns. So, I mean, for him to do, he's kind of put up today's numbers back then when it wasn't quite as explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for me, I think Dan Marino, based on, he didn't win a Super Bowl, but based on just dominating the quarterback position. Yeah, and that's a really good pick. And I, I actually, Marino's not on my list either. And wow. he's he's close. Uh, yep. He's 11 on my stat list that I have right now that averages everything. I think the thing that weighs him down is that, after about 1994, he was 
an a- not average is not fair, but he was borderline, you know, ten. He was good, 12. yeah, and I do remember that. Yeah, and he, I mean, he was still good, but he wasn't Dan Marino anymore, and and that kind of hurts things a little bit for me. Um, I just have a hard time with that, and. Well, I mean, that's what separates him and Elway, isn't it? I mean, they had very similar careers up to that point, except that's when Elway won the championships and Marino kind of fell apart. Yeah, and and I I would agree with that, and and part part of it was his health, but the reason I didn't select him over a guy like Warner is they both had similar careers where a lot... Marino was great the whole time, but his career is really defined by these peaks, and his peaks were probably higher than Warner's peaks, but Warner took teams to the title games and won the Super Bowl. Warner is, um, with that differential, Warner's game was better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season, where Dan was much worse. Yep. And yeah, not so, a, I don't know yeah. what his playoff win percentage is. Maybe you have that, but I imagine it wasn't very good. Uh, I have it somewhere in here. I think it, it's better than um, Peyton Manning. His win percentage is uh, 44.444, so okay. uh, whatever I mean, they, that is. They made it every year, but it seemed like they never went anywhere. Yeah, and uh, he was 10 points lower on average passer rating in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. So sure. um, that's one. Of, that's why he didn't make it. Okay. Okay, my uh, number nine is I can't believe he's on my list, and I feel like more than anybody else on my list, I am going to regret this the instant this episode gets posted, <laughs> but he's on my list, and that is Drew Brees. Wow, I did um, not expect that. I, I didn't either, uh, going through all of this, but every time I tried to manipulate my stats to get him <laughs> off of this list, he always is in the top five. I would add things that I think would eliminate him, like I'd eliminate um, volume stats completely and just see the efficiency stats, and he'd go higher. Um, he's performed better in the playoffs than he has in the regular season. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. But I have him on this list amongst the modern quarterbacks and amongst the people in my top ten. Um, well, actually, uh, uh, everybody else ahead of him, minus Kurt Warner. He has been the only one whose passer rating gets higher in the playoffs uh, than every, everybody else on the list. Their passer rating gets lower in the playoffs, even if it's just a little bit. His goes five points higher than it is in the regular season. So I gave him credit for that, and it almost was like, if there's an argument for a guy like Dan Marino that he didn't win a championship because he didn't have very good teammates, that's Drew Brees, but he did win a championship. Yep, that's true. So for that reason, to my own shock, Drew Brees is number nine on my list. Yeah, I, and you being a guy who kind of seems to hate the, the <laughs> wide-open NFL game of today, I thinking of Drew Brees and not putting him on my list, I was thinking of you. I was like, there's no way Eric has Drew Brees on his top ten list. So that's, I think that's probably going to be my biggest shocker that you have on your list. I mean, no argument. He's a great player. I don't have a great argument to leave him off. He just mm-hmm. didn't make the top ten, but obviously one of the all-time greats. Yeah, and like I said, I, I'll probably regret this more than anybody else on my list, but I just if you want to see my spreadsheets anybody I'll share them but I can't uh I couldn't believe that he was as good as he was um by the basically every criteria that I tried to uh, sort by I tried to get rid of him I couldn't <laughs> sure Alrighty, um, my number eight, and this is a guy that I can't believe going into the process I had ahead of Dan Marino, but it's Fran Tarkenton, mm. and um, I had no idea the kind of numbers this guy put up mm-hmm. in his era. I mean, they're just absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. His passing yards alone, I mean, he had threw for 47,000 yards. That's right around where Tom Brady is today, <laughs> and he did that back then. 
342 touchdowns to 266 interceptions, not to mention the rushing yards on top of that, which he was, you know, miles ahead of anybody else at that time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't win a Super Bowl, but made it to a couple. So um, it really surprised me kind of when I looked at his numbers overall and what he did. And I um, I didn't know if he was going to be in my top 10 or even top 15, but I think after kind of doing my research, I had to put him in my top 10, so I met eight. Yeah, and he's another one that's it's really hard to to judge because he put up those kind of numbers in an era where it's by the people at Cold Hard Football Facts, I think they do it at uh, Pro Football Reference, they call that the dead ball era. Um, There was a year where I think Joe Ferguson of the Bills led the NFL in passing with 2,800 yards. Yeah. I mean, it it was a hard era to throw a football in, and... I'm going to have to go back and watch more Tarkenton games just to see him do it. Yeah, and the only Tarkenton games I've ever seen that are uh, available is the Super Bowls, and he's right. played horrible in those games. Yes. I don't have Tarkington on my list. Um, he's close. I think uh, on my on my rankings here, the average, he was 15 on on my list. Sure. Um, and I didn't stick to that average, but it's just where, where he ended up being. The reason I think I didn't leave him on, or I didn't put him on the list, is, again, it goes with the playoff performances. Mm-hmm. He also, as good as he was, and with the volume uh, stats that he put together, he wasn't the most efficient guy. And uh, even in that era, he only had one first-team All-Pro, uh, so that kind of was one of the things I went with, where even in his era when he was putting up all those stats, the people watching those games had deemed other people were a better quarterback than he was sure. uh, in given years. So I left him off for that, and amongst everybody on this list, I don't think he's the worst, but his passer rating differential regular season to playoffs was minus 21.75. So he was much, much, much worse in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. This is a guy that got more than his fair share of chances to win a championship and didn't get it done in large part because of his own performance. Sure. Yeah, definitely a good argument. Um I just, maybe just statistically alone, I mean, just, just what he did compared to, I mean, Staubach and Bradshaw, I mean, he just, the stats just blow those guys out of the water. Mm-hmm. And he did make it to, to Super Bowls, and, you know, he had a large part getting there, but yeah, for his differential to be that much different, I didn't, I didn't go that far oh. into it, so I didn't have that stat, but. Most normal humans would not go that far no. in. Um, Correct. <laughs> you probably had better things to do last Saturday than I did, so that's, <laughs> that's probably why. <laughs> okay, my number eight. I'm going way old school with this one, and I went with Sammy Baugh from the Washington Redskins, uh, 1937 to 1951. Um, this is a hard one for me just because of um, he's – when you look at his stats, you're kind of blown away at how modern they are. And I compared him to his peers, and the problem with that one was it was very hard to dis- determine what was fair to compare him to because there weren't a whole lot of people passing in 1937. Yeah. But I think the thing I had with him is from a from a if standpoint, he was so much better than any of his peers, even just comparing him against the guys like Arnie Herber and Cecil Isbell and Sid Luckman, the guys who were throwing all the time. He was super effective. He took the Washington Redskins, who really didn't have much of a history before Joe Gibbs outside of the Sammy Baugh years. He won a multiple championships, and he took down some of the greatest teams of that era head-to-head and just completely dominated the Bears, had some of the biggest games of his career, had a three-touchdown game as a rookie in the 37 championship, which, you know, three touchdowns then is, you know, that's a season output for a lot of the the, the good quarterbacks in the league. So I, I know he's super old, but I think that 
his stats look remarkably modern, and when compared to his peers, um, the same way I compared modern guys to their peers, Sammy Baugh just was very, very, very good, and uh, I had to acknowledge it somewhere on this list. I think we're going to have completely t- different top tens here. I can't believe we're both three in and haven't had any of the same guys. Yeah. Um, Sammy Baugh was a tough one for me to leave off. But for me, it was just so hard to compare when you're doing a list of top ten quarterbacks. I mean, the position was not the same then. Sure. He was a quarterback, but, I mean, you can't look at his stats and compare them to anybody who's modern. No. Um, but, yeah, he. I mean, he was better than everybody else who was doing it. I mean, he played some running back and everything, mm-hmm. too. I, I'm just a great overall player. I just I had a really hard time comparing, and I, I haven't seen any Sammy Ball games, so I have nothing really to base it on. So probably deserves it, but I guess I just had to leave him off my list. And that's fair. Um, you know, it, it's there are not going to be any correct answers to this, but I think, uh, I don't know, just every time I would, he was the same way like Drew Brees, every time I would adjust yeah. the stats, he just was always there, so I had to put him somewhere. Well, and I was reading uh, I was reading a few of the different top tens, and Cold Hard Football Facts told you if anybody had a list without Sammy Baugh on it, you should just shred it up and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> I guess I have to be that guy, but... Um, <laughs> Well, I don't really. Their list is is tough. I mean, um, yeah. I've seen their list and it, it's okay, but uh, we'll get into that, I guess. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, so my number seven, um, going Packer here. I've got Bart Starr at number seven. Okay. Um, so I mean, I've seen lists where he wasn't on it at all, and I've seen lists like old hard facts where he's number one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all the championships that he won is the main thing. I mean, five championships. I believe that that's more. That's NFL number one all time. Yes, um, than anybody else. So that alone is enough to put a guy in your top ten list. But I mean, just the great overall quarterback. He had so many great moments, and you know, being a Packer fan is probably a reason why he's a little bit higher on my list. You might even have him higher than I do. But um, I mean, great numbers, great leader, great everything. I mean, there's nothing you can say about the guy. I mean, he was mm-hmm. awesome in the playoffs, and I think that's his number one thing. Is he just never lost. So, I mean, Packer fans know all about the guy, so I'm not going to go too much into it, but Bart Starr, number seven. Hold on to something. Bart Starr is not on my list. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I maybe I should turn in my Packer fan card right now, but he was one. It broke my heart to have him eliminated so fast when I was looking at things. He's number one all time uh, from passer rating differential he's got the most championships he his quarterback rating was 24 points higher in the playoffs than it was in the regular season the reason I left him off of this list is that I could not looking at some of these other guys I could not determine how much credit he gets for getting to those great postseasons and he's an all-time great. I would have wanted him on my team. He's not bad by any means. He's if he, if somebody had him number one, like Cold Hard Football Facts, I can understand an argument for that. But it was so hard to leave off other guys when I looked at his statistics: completion percent or completions, attempts, yards, touchdowns, uh, interceptions thrown, pa- uh, not passer rating, but all of the volume stats. He is like 20% lower than the average quarterback who played the same year as he did, which led me to believe that as great as he was, he wasn't asked to do anywhere close to as much to determine his team's victories than Johnny Unitas or than Fran Tarkington. He was a guy who was a super good player on a super good team. And I guess it seems unfair to punish a guy for that, but in the face of guys who carried their teams... It was hard for me to hold Bart Starr in the same uh, level as those guys. 
Sure. Um, but I'm my my jaw dropped. <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to be in your top five, so I'm I'm blown away. Um, and I mean, in terms of the overall team argument, I mean, you could make the, that same kind of argument for a guy like Joe Montana, who is going to mm-hmm. be high on both of our lists too, I think. But mm-hmm. I mean, five championships, Eric. No, you, I know. <laughs> so so you you Drew Brees is a better quarterback than Bart Starr, as you say. From you have to go with what you saw. I'm not sure that if you would put Bart Starr on the Saints team or a team like that, that he wouldn't do it. But the first two championships they won, handing the ball off to Taylor and Horning. And I'm not yeah. saying Starr wasn't good. I'm just saying I'm not sure I can confidently say how good he was compared sure. to these other guys because he didn't do as much. He wasn't asked to do it much, and maybe that's unfair for for punishing him for that. But I can't look at a guy who had the team on his back for 10 years, had to do it or they wouldn't win, and say Bart Starr was better than that guy when guys like Zeke Brakowski would come in and win playoff games. Sure. Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, I I, I definitely understand the argument. I guess I I don't have too much. He's still awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, uh, we're on number seven, right? Correct. My number seven is Steve Young, and he was another weird one uh, that I wasn't sure where to put, but he would be higher if he wasn't so bad in the playoffs, and he is the Peyton Manning of his era, uh, just 11 points lower uh, his passer rating in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. I I sound like I'm saying why he's not on my list, but... um, from a regular season standpoint, he is unbelievable. Um, from an efficiency standpoint, he threw 30% more touchdown passes than anybody he played with. When you go to touchdowns per attempt, it was almost 40% higher than anybody who played the same year as he did. Um, interceptions, 25% fewer than anybody he played with. His quarterback rating was 24% higher than anybody who played the same year as he did. Um, he made a lot of different playoff appearances. He's a guy who should have had many more championships and many more opportunities. For a regular season passer, Steve Young might have been the best regular season passer of all time, or at least in that argument, but he just failed too many times in the playoffs. He was he was very much like Peyton Manning. He was never disastrous in the playoffs, but he just wasn't as good as you would expect, and it cost him a lot of games. So if you look at his stats, he had four straight 100 quarterback ratings in the early 90s when the second-place guy would be barely over 90. Uh, I mean, it, it was incredible, the stuff he was doing. Sure. And and yet again, we've made it through four, four <laughs> on the list, and I don't have Steve Young on my list at all, which is kind of crazy. Um, I guess my reasoning for leaving him off was, he had a little bit shorter starting career, mm-hmm. um, so because of that, you know, some of the numbers are there. And then, like you said, the playoff record. I mean, in the early '90s, he was getting ruined by the Cowboys, and in, in the mid '90s, he was getting ruined by the Packers in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So, to me, I mean, yeah, the regular season stats are great, but when I look at his career, I look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers and say Aaron Rodgers has probably done a comparable thing to Steve Young's career, right? I mean, mm-hmm. regular season efficiency, one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that isn't that pretty similar thing? And we, I mean, we neither of us would have considered putting Aaron Rodgers on our list at this point. Uh, we'll see about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you <laughs> might, but I, um, but that's the main reason I left Steve Young off. Obviously, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Him and Peyton are probably the two you would maybe say for greatest regular season quarterbacks of all time. And they're mm-hmm. they're. His high was about as good as anybody's was, but mm-hmm. I just had to leave him off. Just a little bit smaller sample size than I would have liked to have seen in only the one championship. Sure, definitely fair. Alrighty, my number six then, uh, speak of the devil, is Peyton Manning. Mm. So, I mean, regular season numbers go, he's he's the best of all time, basically. 
and then it's been the playoff record, which is, which is leaving him here at number six. Really, if he's had another Super Bowl or has had another couple of playoff runs, he would definitely be higher. Um, I mean, he's a, he's still playing, so everybody knows everything there is to know about Peyton Manning. I won't go into mm-hmm. him too much here, but um, the regular season stats alone put him at number six here for me. And obviously, uh, I'm not that jolted on Peyton Manning's Super Bowl performance where he's not on my list, so I guess I'll reserve my comments for when he appears on mine. Sure. <laughs> okay, uh, my number six, we're on number six, correct? Yep. My number six is Aaron Rodgers. Wow. And I could not believe this one either, but... The efficiency stats for Aaron Rodgers, even in an era when there's three other all-time great quarterbacks playing, are unbelievable. Um, it he's through he's thrown 80 percent more touchdowns than anybody else who's played in this uh, the, than the average quarterback who's played from 2008 to 2013. 80 percent better than the average. When you take it into touchdowns per attempt. He's the only quarterback on this list that has thrown 40% more than the average of his era, and he's at 56%. He's got fewer interceptions than any of the top guys in both percentage and actual literal, literal number thrown. Most of these guys playing so long that they've thrown fewer, inter, or they've thrown more interceptions than the league average just from throwing so much. He's actually thrown fewer. He's got one of the best quarterback ratings on this list. He's the highest rated passer in both the regular season and the playoffs. Even as bad as maybe he's been or as disappointing as his teams have been in the playoffs it's one of those things where I don't know how much of it is his fault Uh, his passer rating only goes down 3.6 points regular season to playoffs which is one of the main metrics I used when the average amongst these great quarterbacks was about five points so he's still better than average for his depreciation on there Um, every single time I tried to get rid of him too. I even added fourth quarter comebacks as a as a criterion here, and he still finished in the top ten every time. Sometimes when I would just get rid of the volume stats to see, you know, I just want to see how good you are every time you throw a pass. He was number one by a leaps and bounds, and so from I guess I don't know. Maybe my metrics are flawed, but. Aaron Rodgers, in this short period of time, has been more effective with each pass he's thrown than anybody in the NFL, and it's not even close. Sure. Yeah, and I think your metrics are are spot on. I think that if you do any kind of average category thing like that, he's going to end up near the top of it. Um, I guess just for me, I just disqualified him right away just because it hasn't been enough time Mm -hmm. starting in the NFL. Um, But, yeah, he's about as good as anybody who's ever done it. It's just a little bit shorter sample size than I would have liked to see yeah, and but if if you're gonna give a guy like Kurt Warner a chance, who's really has six peak years, then I think you gotta you gotta start looking at guys like Rogers. It's been six years now, so I think that's fair enough. Well, I think moral of the story is here that that that's maybe one of the different metrics that we have on our list is you didn't look at that as much, whereas I may have looked at longer careers more mm-hmm. because I don't have Kurt Warner, Steve Young, or Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and and I think that's fair because I think longevity is certainly a part of greatness. But I think once you get to a certain level, I mean, you're not going to put Burt Jones on the list when he had two, like, super awesome seasons. But uh, I think guys like Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers, Kurt Warner, I think they've proven in their time that, uh, especially guys like Warner and uh, Young who are done, that had they played more, they still would have been really good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't Alrighty. think anybody thinks Aaron's going to fall off anytime soon. No, no. I mean, and in terms of my list, he's a, he would obviously work his way to the top ten if he keeps playing at the rate he's playing, so... 
All right. My number five, we'll, we'll keep going Packers here. I've got Brett Favre at number five. Okay. Um, so he has, obviously, the record for pretty much everything, most yards of all time, most touchdowns. Some of those are going to fall to Peyton here in the very near future. Um, also, most interceptions. Um, his 95 through 97 or even 98 stretch are just incredible. You know, one of the best stretches mm-hmm. of all time. He was... And he was beating guys like Steve Young and Troy Aikman in the MVP for three straight years. So um, his stretch then, he got his Super Bowl. His stretch from 2000 to uh, kind of on and off through to you know 2006 was what is holding him back from being any higher on my list. And I know he's probably fallen on a lot of people's list just because of the bad publicity recently, people maybe not wanting to put him as high as he deserves. But I think he's definitely a top-five quarterback of all time. And um, the the playoff debacles were were epic. I mean, they were. He was self-destructed a number of times too, but I don't think there's any way you can leave him off your top five. <laughs> yeah, and you make a, an incredibly compelling case. This one's gonna kill me, but I, I, Favre is just outside of my list too. No kidding! Wow, I'm shocked by that. Well, and it's it goes just when you looked at everybody else. The turnovers stuck out like a sore thumb. I had 40 guys that I was running stats on. He was the worst, even just going percentage. He was number 40 in all the turnover categories. And I know that's not fair. His peak, I mean, gosh, the the, the 95, 96, even throw 94, 97, 98, that five-year period was about as good as it gets for a quarterback. But I think the end maybe kind of drags him down a bit, and I'm not even thinking... It definitely does, yep. Yeah, and, and I'm not even talking about the the playoff, the epic losses, because at least he was close enough to have epic losses, unlike, you know, maybe Peyton Manning or, or, or whatever. But he just, he was good, but he was overshadowed by a lot of guys towards the end of his career. The last 10 years of his career, could you ever confidently say that Brett Favre was the best quarterback in the NFL during any of his last 10 years? And so every time I would run the stats, he would he couldn't, he was never higher than Marino, if you're looking at those people who were just dominating on the stat page. Sure. And then once you, you went into efficiency, there was a lot of guys who maybe didn't play quite as long, maybe didn't play quite as reckless, that were always higher than him. So I, Favre is awesome, and I could accept anybody who put Favre as number one on his list. He just is not on the list the way I did it, and I think sure. that... Yeah, Favre's unbelievable, and the fact that people don't consider him even good anymore in some circles literally makes me angry. But I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being disingenuous to say he might be the 11th best quarterback of all time. Sure, and I'm, I'm just shocked. I mean, you were, I was always maybe a little bit less on the Favre train than you were, even mm-hmm. you know while he was playing, and I thought that he would be on any list of yours ahead of, ahead of me. So I'm, I'm really shocked to hear that he's not on your list. But yeah, I, I mean, there. There are obvious reasons why you would think to leave him off. I mean, just the debacles at times. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I am surprised. I am too, but, you know, i I, I, I got to stick with the criteria I set out, I guess. Okay, my number five is Johnny Unitas. And uh, I know a lot of people probably would have him higher on their list. He was... I'm trying to think of somebody to compare him to. He feels like maybe the Tom Brady of his era, where... Maybe he should have won more championships than he did, but he was just maybe the first like super modern passer, and he led the league in uh, passing categories. I think more than anybody on this list, 
he had a 75% win percentage in the playoffs. Um, he went to uh, 10 Pro Bowls. He won three championships. He played in four title games. I mean, that means a lot. And if you play in four title games, win three championships, in an era that cross uh, crosses over with the early Steelers, with the Dolphins, with Lombardi's Packers, um, with the Cleveland, the really, really good Cleveland teams, I think that means something. And he just had some incredibly modern stats. He won a lot of championships. He was around forever, and I think his longevity uh, gets rewarded also in the fact that he was pretty effective for his whole career. So I, I don't necessarily have seen enough for me to put him number one like he seems to be undisputed on a lot of people's lists, but I think uh, number five for Unitas. Okay. Yeah, and that's a good one, and I have him coming too here. I won't I won't give anything away, but I, you did a great job breaking that down. No argument here. Okay. Um, okay, so we're down to number four now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. All right, my number four, and I think this might be a shocker because I think everybody's got him higher than I do, but I've got John Elway at four. Okay. Um, I mean, he's got the two championships at the, at the end of the career. I just think, you know, comparably the statistics to a lot of the other guys in his generation, I mean, he w- didn't do quite what Marino did in the regular season. Um, you know, he wasn't quite Brett Favre, although they were kind of overlapped in the 90s there, not all at the same time. But mm-hmm. um, I just, I don't know. To me, there was just not enough that said top two for me, where it seems like everybody that I see has outweighed top one or two. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, I guess I don't see it. We watched the guy play his whole career. He was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I now I know I'm making an argument against him being on my list at all here. Obviously, he should be. Um, the numbers are fantastic. 300 touchdowns, 226 interceptions. Um, I just, there wasn't enough for me. I, I don't have a good argument for it against him, but there just wasn't enough for me to put him ahead of the three guys I had ahead of him, I guess. Okay. We're going to lose a fan, I think, because John Elway's yep. not on my list. He's still number four. I mean, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Elway's not on my list at all. Um, I couldn't even get him close to the top ten when I took in... Oh efficiency stats. I even added comebacks to try to get him higher on the list. I added playoff appearances. I added Pro Bowls. He's nowhere to be found in any of these in the top ten. And it's just because as long as his career was, he just just gets overshadowed by guys who played even with him. Montana was better. Marino was better. He went to the four championships, but he played in such a bad AFC. He didn't have to do yeah. a whole lot to get there. One of the years they went to the um, uh, the Super Bowl, the year they lost to San Francisco, Cleveland had a first-round bye with a 9-7 and record when they went to the Super Bowl. And he was a guy who played forever, but the statistical clone of John Elway, it'll sound nuts when I say it, but if you go back and look, it's true. The statistical clone for John Elway is Donovan McNabb. Wow. And nobody would have McNabb on their top ten no. list. He's he's a great, great player. I can understand why people can put him there. But if I'm going super stat-based with this, and he's just got most of his arguments are intangibles. And intangibles are hard to rank. And I can't put him ahead of guys who have both the intangibles and the tangibles. So um, so, you, so you're saying John Elway's not in your top ten? I don't. John Elway's not in my top ten. I don't even know if I could comfortably put him in a top 15. Wow. Um, that. That's that's just kind of shocking to hear because I mean consensus everybody says he's top five. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean we kind of made the same argument. It's just that you used it to leave him completely off your list, whereas I thought I was just dropping him kind of far all the way down to number four. <laughs> well, I think the thing with Elway is 
he's one of the last kind of folklore sports heroes. He played the, yeah. all of the years with the same team. He had all the comebacks. But where would people rank John Elway if he didn't win those two championships at the end of his career? And I know that means a lot, but it's not like he took the 89 Broncos to a championship. I mean, one of the worst games he ever played was Super Bowl 32, and they won. And so I think that he's still a great, great player. I feel bad like I'm saying you suck if you're not on my list. But if he didn't win those two championships, people might not put him in the top ten. And Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, he's basically Jim Kelly then, right? Basically. And nobody puts Jim Kelly in their top ten. So I think, uh, yeah, and actually every time I ran the metrics, Jim Kelly was usually a few spots higher than Elway. So I I think... uh, yeah, Elway is probably the most overrated great quarterback of all time, which is like saying you're the, you know, ugliest model <laughs> at the Victoria's Secret pageant. Right. Wow, you're just blowing me away with your listening. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Mixing it up a little bit. I, I can appreciate that. All right, who do you got at number four, Eric? I have Peyton Manning at number okay. four, and he is the one that I almost had to go against my numbers here, and drag him down. Because people just think he's throwing, throwing, throwing. He's also one of the most efficient guys of all time. He's one of those things where his playoff performances have been awful, but they haven't been as epically bad as some of the other people on this list. He's only eight points lower in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. He's had some really, really lame games. But the more I thought about it is he's been to the playoffs 13 times, which is more than anybody um, his his playoff record is a little bit better now, and even though he's only got the one Super Bowl championship, so people want to throw him in there with Favre and you know um, you know some of these other guys, he's been to the Super Bowl three times, which is one of the best ever. And granted, he got destroyed by the Seattle Seahawks, but that Saints game was pretty close, and that team was pretty good. Thirteen playoff appearances. Three title game appearances, I know he only won the one, and his stats are blow everybody away, it, whether it's efficiency, uh, well, other than Aaron Rodgers, but um, second to Aaron Rodgers in every efficiency stat, his volume stats crush everybody. Um, he's going to get to all of Favre's records much, much faster with far fewer throws than Favre did. Uh, same thing with Marino, so I think... This guy, as much as I said Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers, he's by far the best regular season passer of all time. And as lame as he's been in the playoffs, he hasn't been horrible, and he's still got a championship, and he's still got two other teams to the championship game in the playoff format era, which is very difficult to do. So I think uh, four is fair. If somebody wanted to put him higher, I could never put him at number one just because of the playoff things, but top five is undisputable. Sure. Yeah, and I think if he can get another one, I mean, he, he may creep towards the, the ones and twos, but I think with the, his current status of just getting blown out in the Super Bowl and having the playoff mm-hmm. woes is, is kind of what holds him back. So mm-hmm. um, completely agree with you there. My number three, and I won't go too into, into too much detail here because you already had the guy on yours, but that's Johnny Unitas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just just blows away everybody in his generation with his numbers. I mean, the guy threw for, for 40,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Um back then and won championships. I mean, it really, really kind of evolved the quarterback position. So I think that's the argument a lot of people would make to put him number one on their list is he really, really changed the way that the quarterback position is played mm-hmm. and made it kind of a more of a modern position. So uh, I have him at number three here, but uh, could easily be swayed probably into a higher ranking too. Well, the thing he didn't make modern, though, was the shoulder pads. Everything I've ever seen, he's got them big, pokey... And like, the drop back. <laughs> yeah, and, and the weird drop back. But, yeah, I already said my piece on him. I Anywhere on a top ten list, I think I would be okay with Unitas being. Mm-hmm. 
My number three was a guy who I thought would maybe even be a little bit higher, but uh, he didn't play uh, quite as well. I mean, he played a long time, but Roger Staubach is number three on my list. Um, he is two games against the Pittsburgh Steelers away from probably being the undisputed number one quarterback in history. He played in an era where it was very hard to throw a football. The mid-70s, before the Mel Blunt rule of 1978, was more difficult than any era ever to play the football or to throw the football. And he was incredibly modern with his uh, with uh, his statistics. Um, his percentages are off the charts for everything. Um, he's a guy who actually went a little bit down in the uh, in the playoffs, but he still has a lot of comebacks. Um, he just <laughs> It's it's hard to explain as well as I want to say, but in in every metric I had, he was almost always top five. He's actually number four in here when you average out the volume stats, uh, efficiency stats, playoffs, Pro Bowls, comebacks, things like that. Um, and I put him ahead of Peyton Manning because he was better in the playoffs and made more of his opportunities. Uh, I, I guess that's all I really have to say. The guy has unbelievable quarterback in an era where it was unbelievably hard to play quarterback. So comparing him to Bart Starr, I mean, that was one of the big comparisons I had between those two is because they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Bart Starr just won a few more championships. What would be your argument to put Staubach in ahead of Bart Starr? I think the the argument with Staubach ahead of Bart Starr is that his actual uh, regular season stats hold up with his peers, whereas, like I said, Bart Starr was a negative. He had lower output than you'd expect for somebody who played as long as he did in the years he played in, where Staubach's almost 25% higher than the league average in every single year. Sure. And Staubach had a much shorter NFL career, didn't he, because he was in the Navy for a while, I, up till he was like 28 or 29, I think? Yeah, it was only, 1969 was his first year, but he missed one with injury, um, so his actual output is only about nine seasons, I think. Sure. As a as a top flight quarterback, and and just so people, you know, my averages and things like that, I only took your peak years. So like Steve Young doesn't get punished for 1987 and 88 and 89 when he was on the bench. Uh, same with like Roger Staubach doesn't get punished for 69 when he's in the Navy, and Bart Starr doesn't get punished for the late or the early 70s when he wasn't hardly playing. So it only takes your peak years versus the NFL averages of those years. Okay. Yeah, and I actually don't have Johnny Unitas on my list. I mean, uh, for that Staubach? reason, I was. <laughs> what? A uh, Staubach, you mean? Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I don't okay. have Staubach on my on my list at all here, and he was very close. I, him and Bradshaw and Starr, to me, are all kind of around that same same kind of a guy. They won championships. They were very efficient. They were on mm-hmm. good teams. Um, but I mean, I have no argument against Staubach being there. Yeah. Um, alrighty. See, and that's the reason two. we need to have more of these shows because and and. Terry Bradshaw's got the four Super Bowls, and he is second to Bart Starr in elevating his game in the playoffs. So he yeah. earned those Super Bowls. But in the regular season, he was—he uh, doesn't get to the playoffs if he has to do more. He was not a very um, effective quarterback in the regular yeah. season, and I think that's the thing that, that kind of irritates me. He was only 2% better than the average quarterback. Um, sure. And th- those are just my stats. People can dispute them or, or my methodology. But the, the fact that, pe- that Bradshaw even gets mentioned as a possibility, the top ten, to me, is the allure of the Super Bowl. He played great in those games, but he played a hundred others where he was just kind of on a team with a great defense and sure. running game. But, I mean, those are the games that matter, right? And he won four of them, which is, it, you know, which is outstanding. Yeah. If you're on a good team or not, you won four Super Bowls. To me, that's why he got so close to my top ten. Well, and, and, and that's that's fair to say. Those are the games that matter. But how many games that matter would Marino play in if his peak years wasn't with a 10-6 and 6 team? Or, I mean, a 6-10 and 10 team? 
Mm-hmm. You know, his peak years are in the late. I just think that's why with with Star and Aikman and Bradshaw, you wonder that had they had to t- carry the load like a Brett Favre, who's not on my list, or like a a Peyton Manning, especially, how many championship opportunities would they have had if they had the supporting cast that like Peyton Manning had? Oh yeah, and probably probably not. And I, I th- definitely think you're right, but it's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd take a guy if I was had a team I was cheering for. I'd take Terry Bradshaw on four Super Bowl wins over you know a, a guy like Dan Marino throwing mm-hmm. for a ton of yards and none. So I, I don't know. And I do have Dan Marino yeah. and a guy like Peyton ahead of, mm-hmm. of Bradshaw. I'm not yeah. making the argument for him to be top ten. I just it's, it's my argument for him being close. I'm just saying I'm not sure how wor- how much Terry Bradshaw is worth if you don't get the steel curtain with him. Oh yeah, and I completely agree with you there. He's definitely a function of being on a really good team, but so was Bart Starr, and so was probably Roger Staubach too. But uh, but Staubach probably did carry his team a little bit more than the other two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Staubach. Um, now having just said that, now I sound like an idiot since the Cowboys were great before Staubach was there, and they actually were halfway decent with Danny White. So. True. My my list sucks. <laughs> Um, my number two, and I was really surprised I had this guy at this high, but I just couldn't avoid it. I have Tom Brady at number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, three Super Bowls, and he's been the model of consistency. He's thrown for 50,000 yards. And the craziest number to me is 359 touchdowns to 134 picks. I mean, that's just unreal. Mm-hmm. And I know he's kind of taken a dip here in the second half of his career in terms of winning Super Bowls and the playoff performance, but he's still gotten his team to two more Super Bowls in that stretch, too. And he has been... If not one, he's been, you know, the second or third best quarterback in the league for for ten years. Mm-hmm. And and what he's done is absolutely unprecedented. And to me there was no way when I was looking at it, I was thinking, well, I gotta have Elway or Unitas ahead of him, right? But when I was looking at it, I just couldn't do it. Um so for me, I mean, he hasn't had that much for weapons. I mean, look at his receivers he's had, his running backs he's even had. He just hasn't had much talent around him, mm-hmm. and he's absolutely carried that team to, to be a dynasty. So I've got Brady at two. Yeah, and Tom Brady actually – no, he's number two. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom Brady is also number two for many of the reasons you said. Um, people like to think of Tom Brady as kind of this clutch – I mean – Maybe not so much anymore, but people wanted to put him in kind of that Aikman and Terry Bradshaw kind of, this guy is clutch in the playoffs mentality, and he played on a team with a great defense, which is true. But when you actually look at his statistics, especially, you know, post-Dynasty era, that guy doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. I mean, he had the 50-8 and touchdown year. He has the very forgotten 2010 where he had 36 touchdowns to four interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy has just gotten ridiculous levels of production uh, in almost every measurable way. He goes to the play. He's automatic for the playoffs every single season. Um, he's When you're starting to look at comebacks, I think he's third all-time with uh, 31 comebacks. So he can do a lot of things out there. And... Um, He's struggled recently, and I think these recent years are what make him not even in contention with the guy who's uh, number one, I'm guessing, on both of our lists. Yep. Um, he's gotten a five championships, which is more than anybody outside of uh, Bart Starr and Joe Montana. Uh, he, he, if it wasn't for Eli Manning, uh, this guy might be even higher on, on, on a lot of other lists. So yeah, I, I think so. If he had won five, I think he very well might be number one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and he was close to winning five. Um, very, very close. I mean, he's seven points away from having won five Super Bowls. But those seven points mean a lot, and maybe you're right with the, the Terry Bradshaw things. you got to win those games that count. He won three of them, but he didn't win all of them. Um, I think Tom Brady, from a stat standpoint, from an efficiency standpoint, from a clutch standpoint, he's 
right there with just about everyone in the history of the league. Sure. All right. Well, should we unveil the uh, the number one, even though everybody already knows who it is here? Yep. Notre All Dame, right. Joe Theismann, number one on. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, Joe Montana here. <laughs> um, so I mean, there's really not much argument for me in this this point. I mean, four Super Bowls, over forty thousand yards, just extremely efficient. Two hundred seventy-three touchdowns to one hundred thirty-nine picks. Never lost the Super Bowl. Never had those big playoff debacles. And uh, I mean, he has all the positives that anybody would have without the negatives. So I think that's kind of what separates him. Yeah, and uh, Joe Montana obviously is uh, number one on my list as well. A four and zero in the Super Bowl, which is huge. But even more so is the fact that he got to four Super Bowls <laughs> in an era that maybe from a conference standpoint, was as competitive as we'll ever see one conference. Yeah, He yeah. won four Super Bowls when Parcells was the Giants coach, Gibbs was the Redskins coach, and Ditka was the coach of the Bears. I mean, getting to the Super Bowl itself was much harder than actually winning it. And so I think that is something that can't get lost. Um, the 49ers had a fantastic uh, team for 20 years, as evidenced by the Steve Young years after Joe Montana, but people forget they were a doormat before he got there. And so he was able to, to resurrect them. He could do a lot of different things. And another thing where people think about Montana is that they don't realize how crazy this guy was from a stat standpoint. Ridiculously efficient, quarterback rating records all the time. I think his uh, 19... Uh, his, his 1989 season is still like one of the highest rated ever from an individual season. Threw a ton of touchdowns. Um, he had 41% more touchdowns than somebody who played the same years as he did. His quarterback uh, interception ratio was 31% lower, 20% higher uh, passer rating. Uh, went to the playoffs 10 times. Uh, won the four Super Bowls. So I think uh, Montana is still the king of quarterbacks. And just to play devil's advocate here, do you think you could make a similar type of argument about him as to some of these other quarterbacks of, of just being on a really good team? I think you can to some degree, but I think he did more for his really good team. It's, I know you're, you're just kind of, this is where the stats break down, <laughs> is when you're trying to do that kind of stuff. But when you're looking at individual performance, that's all we can draw on. I am 100% sure that Montana did more to make the Niners good than Terry Bradshaw or Troy Aikman or even Bart Starr. That the Niners aren't the Niners without him, especially in those early years. Uh, Maybe you can make a a case, you know, in the the 89-90 teams that they could have been still pretty good with Steve Young. But they they were still pretty good with Steve Young and then got whooped by Dallas. You weren't seeing these teams whoop. Joe Montana, um, even good teams. One of Ditka's best teams was in 1988, and the the, the uh, 49ers beat him in Chicago by 25 points. Sure. So I think, yes, you can make an argument. They had ridiculously good defenses every single year, but their offenses were still amongst the best. It wasn't like they were riding that defense and turning it on in the playoffs. They were crushing everybody all year. Yep. Um, so... I, I, I knew this would happen. I already hate my list. We, we'll have to do this again next uh, next week. <laughs> yeah, I want a copy of yours. I got to read it over again just to let it sink in. I, I've just I was really shocked by a lot of the names off and a lot of the names on your list. Do we want to just recap since uh, just the copy of the list? Do you want to just rattle sure. off your entire list real fast and I'll do the sure. same? Sure. So I've got ten Otto Graham, nine Dan Marino, eight Tarkenton, seven Bart Starr, six Peyton Manning, five Brett Favre, four John Elway, three John Unitas, two Tom Brady, and one Joe Montana. 
At minus 10, Kurt Warner. 9, Drew Brees. 8, Sammy Baugh. 7, Steve Young. 6, Aaron Rodgers. 5, Johnny Unitas. 4, Peyton Manning. 3, Roger Staubach. 2, Tom Brady. 1, Joe Montana. I see the difference having heard the two lists is that, and I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but yours very much... Uh, rewards the people who did it for a long, long time. Almost everybody on your list was like 15 years plus. Yep. Whereas mine seems to be, and and maybe for better or worse, it's it's rewarding people for peak performance. Yep. And um and and the maybe best window basically. Well, and, that, and and at least that makes my argument that Terrell Davis belongs in the Hall of Fame a more mm-hmm. consistent uh, argument. So John Bellish, if you're listening, come back. I want Terrell Davis in the Hall of Fame. If I was a voter, I would vote for him every single year. You may think John Elway's garbage, but he likes he likes TD. <laughs> yeah, John Elway would be so much uh, more thought of by uh, everyone as garbage if it wasn't for TD. So that's why that's, that is true. <laughs> the fact that Elway's top ten in everybody's list is another justification for Terrell Davis being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and in terms of your your first five off here, I, all of mine were on your list. Well, mm-hmm. other than Bradshaw, I take that back. But um, if we want to compare these here, I had Sammy Baugh, Drew Brees, Steve Young, Terry Bradshaw, and Staubach as my first five out. Okay, and so and, we must have one different name then. Uh, yeah, my first five out were Otto Graham, Dan Marino, uh, Brett Favre, uh, Fran Tarkington. Is that only four? That's only four. Yep. Okay, and then um, I think I, I have so many different lists here. Let me uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me get the right one here. So this is this is great listening right now as I as I click just around dead on air. my computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just dead air. Actually, yeah, and I, w- I would say Bart Starr would would have been my next one out. Um, sure. I got so, some weird ones in here that I'm like purposely di- uh, disqualifying. Like uh, Norm Van Brocklin finished pretty high in this, but I kind of ignored him a little bit. Um, okay. The the ones who didn't fare very well at all. The undisputed most overrated quarterback of all time is Joe Montana. Um, he finished behind er, Joe Montana. Sorry, I was like, "What?" <laughs> Joe Namath is. Gotcha. Uh, he finished worse than guys like Phil Simms and Jim Plunkett. He even finished worse than Joe Flacco in most of these uh, categories. He just was not not a great great player. Right. Yep. Just the one game makes makes the whole career there. Yeah, and and maybe that can be said about a lot of these guys. Yeah, that's true. All right. So how do we wrap this up now? Do we? Uh, I think we definitely need to get some input from other people. Um, yeah, please. I mean, especially we've got fans from a lot of different fan bases, too. If we we uh, made fun of your guy or you don't like what we said about him, I mean, feel free to let us know. And mm-hmm. we can, if you have your own top ten, let us know that, too, and we can definitely read it on the air next time. Well, and actually what we do have, now that I just thought of it, is we did have a number of people uh, submit that greatest quarterback ever oh, poll. that's true. And so I, I don't know if I can just uh, make the – the real quick tabulation because there's so many guys on here. I should have done that beforehand. I completely forgot. But I wanted to post the full lists on the the website so that people could see what people were thinking. Um, almost all of these, uh, just real quick looking through, Joe Montana is number one on uh, the one list. Uh, Joe Montana on another. Um, Johnny Unitas gets a number one vote on one of these. Montana number three. Um, Joe Montana again So I, it's a lot of what we were saying the, the weird ones I was seeing on here Is a number of people had Warren Moon Like 7 or 8 And uh, I mean if you maybe com- Throw in his pre-NFL career As maybe just top 10 football quarterbacks Of all time rather than NFL quarterbacks I mean mm-hmm. maybe you can make a bigger argument there Yeah and he was another one of those guys Who just I, I'm trying to think of somebody to compare him to, maybe like a Dan Fouts, who just threw a ton of passes and never 
Dan Fouts had a higher peak than than Warren Moon did because um, he had a few years in the early late seventies, early eighties where he was kind of like Kurt Warner in the early uh, late nineties, early two thousand. I thought you might have Fouts on your list. I just couldn't. The, the back end of his career is so unnotable. Uh, he did. He was just not very good. People forget as great as Fouts was, he started playing in nineteen seventy four, and wow. his super big peak was seventy nine through eighty two. And then, even though they had Winslow and they had him, they didn't even get close to the playoffs for the last five years of his career. And this is in the open playoffs where five teams a year are getting in, and they are not even close. So, I'm, you know, maybe it's punishing for a bad team, but that's why I did the average stats, because the stats weren't there either. Um, I guess we could go on about this stuff forever. So, I have Warren Moon on these efficiency stats is actually behind Fouts, behind Bradshaw, behind Bob Greasy. He's even behind Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Jim Kelly, even Phillip Rivers. So I don't know. Sure. Uh, uh, the worst quarterback on this list amongst those who I looked at was Jim McMahon. Um, I just threw him on because he won a Super Bowl and sure. played a million years. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll publish our lists on the website, and we'll publish everybody else's list too, and uh, maybe we can average out what's going on. So look for the website if you want to see everybody else's rankings. I don't have names attached to these, so I, I can't... Uh, comment on anybody's particular list but oh man we should have never done this show i hate my list let's start over <laughs> yeah, it's set in stone now you can't ever change it so it's i can't way. ever change it no nope. well someday i'll look at john elway's 73 quarterback ratings and say yep definitely uh definitely better than peyton manning <laughs> yeah i guess those aren't changing <laughs> yeah okay let's wrap it up we've got an hour just on this part so all right, so thanks, everybody, for listening. I think I'll split this up um, on the website so you won't have to listen to both parts. And uh, or, Well, hopefully you do listen to both parts, but whatever. Um, okay, so we'll see you soon, probably after the draft, right, Matt? Yep, that sounds good. Do we want to say anything about the draft real quick? What do you think the Packers need to get? Um, I pretty, pretty much everything. I mean, you need a receiver, you need linemen, you need linebackers, and you need defensive backs. So just any one of those things. Best player available, huh? That's right. Okay, hopefully they do that. I'm sure they will do that. They do that every year. I don't want another... Well, no, we do need receivers. We lost some of them, too. So everybody's yep. uh, fair game. All right, so until after the draft, enjoy the awesome hot start to the Brewers or whatever lousy start of your favorite baseball team. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you after the draft. Take care, everyone.